Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So this episode is a very special episode as it is one of my clients, uh, Orla. So Orla has had an incredible journey and this episode is raw, unedited, and it sums up Orla and her journey um, in a nutshell. Um, it's, it's interesting to hear people's journeys and how they have different perspectives and lockdown has definitely taught us that. So I cannot thank Orla enough for being so honest about it. Um, the reason why I wanted Orla on was she's she's a mum. She's a working professional. A very, 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 very good job. A lot of moving parts. A lot of a lot of stuff going on. Um, and it's it's definitely raw and unedited. Um, so before I go into the episode, I am opening up two spaces for online coaching with myself. So if you are interested in working with myself after listening to the episode, there is a link in the write up that you guys can book in with myself and we can have a chat to see if you are a right fit um, and we can go from there. I will be working with and joining Team SWF. Uh, you'll be holding yourself accountable to myself. Uh, it's not one of these gung-ho mentalities. It's a lifestyle change, behavior change, and that's the way I work. So hopefully you enjoy the episode, Orla. I've no, that, no doubt that you will. So I hope you enjoy, guys, jo- enjoy the episode. Hey, guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So, guys, thank you so much for all of your support over lockdown. Um. I've been very, very lucky to have Team SWF, which is my clients, uh, to get me through lockdown. And some of them have had, a lot of them, uh, the vast majority of them have had incredible results and incredible stories to tell. And this episode today is definitely going to be an incredible story. So today's guest is Orla. So Orla has been with me for a good few months at this stage, but it's more this transformation is not is more she's got an incredible transformation with her body and stuff like that but it's also transformation of her mind and her perspectives and looking after herself and stuff like that so i'm gonna let orla uh do most of the talking which i've no problem i don't think orla will have a problem doing that the problem is going to be the opposite so orla thank you so much for 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 doing the podcast i really really appreciate it not a problem at all shane look i'm just so happy to be asked on to share a little bit of my story and uh a little bit of, of praise in your direction. You know, you told me that you'd pay me for it later. So that 150,000 into my bank account, I'd be waiting for that. <laughs> I can't even count to that. So, dead, I said it. <laughs> so guys, so, uh, I suppose what I'll do, Shane, is I'll, I'll introduce myself. So my name is Orla Walsh, no relation to Shane. Um, much to his delight. <laughs> um, and I am pushing 40. I am a mother of three. And this time last year, I made a very conscious decision that I didn't want to be alive anymore. Um, and that's a hell of a way to start a podcast interview. Um, and I suppose the next best thing to do is to say that today I'm happy and healthy and fit. Uh, I'm down 16 inches on my body, which is actually a side effect of mental strength, mental fitness and mental agility, which was bolstered and boosted by the physical health and fitness and agility that Shane helped me to develop so that's the highest level of an intro and uh, one hell of a way to start a podcast Shane. Yeah I wasn't expecting that uh, bombshell to be dropped at the very beginning I thought we were gonna potentially talk about it later on but it's 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 it is a huge aspect of where Orla has come from and that's why I want to talk about the mental growth uh, as any of my clients will know with, that I am big on the mindset stuff with my clients. And I know there's a sentence that uh, Orla has in her head that uh, I'm like a parrot when I talk about it, which is the control of the controllables. And I think for anyone that's doing any sort of journey, it doesn't matter if it's a work journey or a fitness journey, it is that side of things. So I'm going to let you talk about what was the shift for yourself to put yourself potentially first um and how you manage that process and how you manage those lows because i think too many people think it's just going to be a straight line um and i think it's important for i think this is this is going to be one of those very very relatable podcasts because it's, it's all well and good a coach talking about things when potentially we have like we've all had struggles but i think 
when it's coming from from someone that's had had struggles and we've all had them i think it makes it a little bit more human um so i'm gonna let you talk a little bit more orla thanks shane so like shane said my transformation is not just one of, of physicality that it's been my heart and my soul and my brain being reshaped and remolded and revisited for the first time in 20 years so i had kids very young i worked multiple jobs i made sure everything was paid i made sure everybody was okay and they were ship shape and they were happy and healthy and safe and i absolutely forgot that i existed and you'll hear people tell you the whole time you can't pour from an empty cup well i did and i did it for the best part of two decades so you can but it's absolutely not a good plan uh, to go forward and it leaves you drained physically emotionally psychologically mentally and you get to a stage where there's nothing left you are an arid desert you have run dry you have no ability to cope or to change or adapt that you've forgotten who you are in general and I found myself in that position um, and I won't talk too heavily on how down I was but I think my story starts this time last year so I did what I recommend everybody does when they find themselves in such a bad place. I got my backside into my local GP and I told him the truth. For the first time in years, I told somebody the truth. I said, I am not okay. And I don't mean that in a slogan on a T-shirt, it's okay not to be okay. I mean, I stood there and he said, sit down. And I couldn't because I was so ready to run back out that door. And for the first time in my life, a human being, listened to the words that I refused to say for a long time and that was my first step of hey Orla maybe you need to have a think about yourself for five minutes and that's what it was to start it's just take five minutes and see are you okay and when I did that I went oh my goodness I am not okay um so what followed was a prolonged period off work and I love my job I I I absolutely adore my job and they were so supportive while I was off work, but I was off for the best part of, of five months, which involved medication. It involved intensive um, psychological appointments. So there was assessments, there was diagnoses. There's, you know, when somebody sits in a room across from you after a few sessions and they tell you that you have complex post-traumatic stress disorder and borderline personality disorder, and it's like somebody has slapped you across the face. And both of these conditions are rooted in trauma. And one of them is trauma internally that you create and other is trauma that you've lived through and has left really a bad taste in your mouth for want of a better expression. And that adds to the, oh God, I really am crap. Look at all the things, the, the isms and the diagnosis they've given me. I'm obviously rubbish and I'm useless and I'm all of those things. And then my psychologist went, well, do you give out to a plate when it breaks when you hit the ground? And I said, no. And she said, well, why would you give out to yourself? And that was my first moment of, I have to stop being cross with myself. And that journey led me through, like I said, months of intensive therapy and really great support. And I cannot thank the people around me enough. These people that I have bled for over years and years and years. And I thought, if I don't do all of these things, they're going to leave me. That was the illness. That wasn't reality. They all stepped up. They all surrounded me. There's people in Team Shane Walsh that are very close and dear to my heart. And it was a two o'clock in the morning, heart to heart conversation with one of your clients. And she looked at me and she said, girl, you can do all the head work in the world. But if you don't leave the house, you're never going to get better. And I went, OK. So she started to talk to me about her transformation and her journey and her growth and I was sitting there I had tears in my eyes I was so proud of her progress both physically and emotionally and mentally and I went I'd like a slice of that for myself I really I, I need this for myself so I had started painting which I'd never done before and I started reading again and then eventually it took me weeks but eventually I reached out to Shane and I said hi how you doing you don't know me but I'm going to be the biggest handful you've ever met in your life and thus began my fitness journey, which ran in such parallel with my mental health journey that they became one and the same. And I learned how to step back and have a look at myself 
as if I was talking to that friend that night when she came to me and told me I'm never getting better unless I leave the house. If she had said that to me six months beforehand, it would have sent me further into a spiral, but I had my groundwork done. And that's something that I would say to any of your listeners, Shane, you can't dive into a physical health or a mental health program without doing your groundwork, whether that's having a conversation with a mental health professional, whether it's talking to somebody that you know has experienced it, whether it's reaching out to PA to house or aware. I mean, people really need to understand this isn't a quick fix and neither is getting your body physically fit. As you well know, every victory is a little tick box. And I know, Shane, you love your non-scale victories and they're now my champion. I don't, I don't stand on a weighing scales and Shane, you and I both know I'm the advocate of throw out your scales. Throw them out. They're going to do nothing but provide you a metric to beat yourself up with. And I promise you there are enough humans in the world who will beat you up. They don't need any support from you. So why don't you cut yourself some slack? And that's been my message the whole way through. Um, there have been times where Shane, I'm sure, as he says, if he had hair, he'd pull it out in frustration with me. <laughs> Because I will turn to him and say, no, I'm not okay. I need to step back because I can't, I can't be regimented. And Shane's philosophy is not one of, of, you know, this military precision and regimentation, but my fear of potentially becoming regimented would lead me into obsession. And in the past, I lost three and a half stone in eight and a half weeks because I was so determined to be a better human by being skinny. And all I ended up was sick. So it's not about those numbers on a scale. It's not even about, sometimes it's not even about the numbers on your measuring tape. It's about, can I stand in front of the mirror for longer than 15 seconds without turning my face away? And for me, once I got to 15 seconds of being able to look at my own reflection, actually look at my reflection, not just look at my hair or if my glasses were straight or fixing my eyelashes, but if I could look for 15 seconds at my own reflection once a week, then I was winning. That was my non-scale victory. And then slowly but surely, as I worked with Shane and he tailored a program for me about my attitude with obsession, my attitude towards food, my attitude towards eating, I became more mindful. And every step of mindfulness then became an effort of self-love and a reflection of self-love and compassion for myself. Because... I remember someone saying it to me, uh, self-indulgence, if you don't do it, nobody else will. And it's, it's always been one of my favorites because naturally compassion, the word compassion is actually reflected for the self. Because if you're not compassionate towards yourself, then anything that you project on other people is coming from the wrong place. If you can't love yourself, then it's very difficult to love other people in a genuine manner. Um, and I dove back into that and started reading Jung. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read Carl Jung. Um, amazing um, psychoanalyst came from the Freudian school but completely and utterly developed his own way of thinking and he has something he has a quote and it says um, I am not what happened to me I am what I choose to become and that I brought everywhere with me when you feel triggered by a situation when you feel a societal norm weighing down on you like walking into the gym the very first time and I was there and all I could hear in my head was, oh, my God, your thighs are so big. Oh, my God, your waistband. Pull it up higher. If you could, why don't you wear a waist belt? If you get a weight training waist belt, that'll hold in your stomach. And oh, my God, you look like a fridge. And uh, a very good friend of mine, Bevan, years ago said to me, try on this denim jacket. And I said, I can't. I look like a fridge. She said, what do you mean you look like a fridge? So I took the denim jacket and I put it on and she went, oh, you do look like a fridge. Um, so I have incredibly broad shoulders. And for years, they were, I slouched, I tried to pull them in because they, they made me stand out an awful lot. And now I stand in the mirror and I honestly can't pull my shoulders back any further. I don't care if I look like a fridge. That's where the good stuff is. <laughs> you know, that's where we hold the stuff we want to keep fresh. Um, and I, I choose to become a fridge. I choose to become a better human for myself. And when that happens, something switches in your brain. And when you begin to cut yourself that little bit of slack, that 15 seconds of acceptance once a week in a mirror where you can say, you're good, you got up, you're strong. 
you've survived. Your survival rate to this day is 100% out of every day you've lived. You can do this. You can keep going. And I think that pulled me into how you were trying to teach me. And I, I don't even think you were trying to teach me. I think you spent the first three months trying to figure me out. <laughs> because I'm incredibly honest. I don't, I try not to hold things back. I felt that as part of my healing, hiding my illness, hiding my symptoms, hiding my triggers, all it was doing was adding more shame and guilt up on top of myself. Whereas if you can say to somebody, actually, I can't watch that movie because it will, it'll give me a night terror. And I'm nearly 40 years of age and telling somebody at, at whatever stage of your life that I can't watch that horror film because it'll give me nightmares. It takes an awful lot of courage to say that. But then I realized that the more courage I promoted in myself, the easier it was to walk into the gym in a pair of leopard print leggings and a crop top with a little bit of belly roll and a little bit of pigtails and a little bit of a smirk on my face and my headphones in. And, you know, you see your gym bunnies and you find them intimidating. And they don't even see you. And when they do see you, all I've ever gotten is a look of acknowledgement. Hey, how you doing? You're in it. Yeah, look at you here at 20 past six on a Wednesday morning. We're lunatics, aren't we? And you kind of smile and nod back on, yes, we are. We're absolute lunatics. And then you're in the changing room afterwards and you're, you know, you're feeling a little bit self-conscious and the same person walks past you and they're just as sweaty and they're just as shattered and they're just as everything as you are. Just because they do it five days a week or they look a certain way or they feel a certain way doesn't take from your effort. And nor should your internal judgment of yourself become a reflection or a judgment on them. And that's another young philosophy. So it's really hard to think. And that's why most people judge. So thinking is difficult. That's why most people judge. So you find yourself panicking in the gym and you're going, I look like this and I'm going to do this exercise wrong. And I don't want to go up to the gym instructor and say, um, excuse me, can you teach me how to use the tricep lateralis upside down grippy jobby watson you know uh, you don't want to do that um but at the same time you can accept that thinking what are my benefits of going to this person who is paid to be here to help me and ask them for help or do i just sit there and judge and say you're crap he won't care about what you have to say and he's going to laugh at you so where's the benefit what's your desired outcome and that's another one i i use all the time what's your desired outcome are you going to let the trigger win? Are you going to let the negative self speak? And again, that's one of Shane's mantras at me. Hold on now, Orla. You're negative self-talking. You got to pull yourself out of it. And you have to stop and think. And thinking is difficult. Judgment is easy. And judgment of yourself is the easiest of all. Because you spend your entire life listening to and talking to yourself. The person you will speak to most in this entire universe is yourself. Cut yourself some slack. Yeah, like there's so much to, I've literally been scribbling down like a lunatic, like trying to get those little nuggets and little timestamps and stuff like that. So I can kind of get like a, I don't know, a 30 second snippet for when the episode goes out. And there's just so much in that. Um, God, I'm annoying with all those sayings. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that must be a nightmare. Um, but I think the, the the one of the things to kind of start with was being kind of being ready to start because there's kind of two trains of thought on this in that you may never be ready or if you're waiting for like a motivation bus to come along to bring you to your destination it you're going to be waiting a while it's kind of like Dublin bus so like when if someone feels that they're potentially not ready and from what you've learned over the time what would you say to that ask them what they are ready for stop looking at the I'm not ready to go to the gym and do a 45 minute session where I do four sets of 20 reps of whatever exercise cool it's okay not to be ready for that what are you ready for have a big horrible honest chat with yourself and for me there are days where what are you ready for is I am going to put on my runners I'm going to put on a headset and I'm going to put on a podcast or a terrible album or an audiobook and I will go and walk the roads. There are days where I manage to make it three and a half K 
And I was ready for three and a half K that day. And there are other days and I've sent you messages, Shane, where I'm like, oh my God, I just walked 8K and I ran a kilometer of it. I haven't run since something was chasing me when I was 13, you know, and I feared for my new skirt that was going to get eaten alive by a Doberman. Um, Ask yourself what you are ready for and stop focusing on the, I'm not ready to make that big giant leap to go and buy the expensive leggings that go to the gym that people wear. And I'm not ready. Go into pay anything. Go to a secondhand shop, ring one of your friends who may own a pair of decent squat proof. Now, ladies, squat proof leggings and take yourself out on the road. Stand out in your back garden and do some stretches. Go online and look up a yoga video. What are you ready for? Not I'm not ready for that. Your groundwork is going to be always. How can you tell yourself that this is what you need? Not how can you tell yourself you have to do something. There's a big difference in, in, from an internal self-talk perspective. I need to go outside today. Why do I need it? I worked late last night. I had late calls. I cooked dinner. I made lunch for myself and my daughter the night before. I did all of this. What do I need? I need to turn off my emails. I need to send a note into my boss and say, I'll be offline for an hour. I'm going to go and stand in the back garden and hug a tree, whatever it is that you, you know you can do that day, then do it. And you don't need to tell yourself, I'm not ready to go into the gym and stand with the gym buddies who are going to make myself feel X, Y, and Z. What can I do? I can drive as far as the gym, bring my gym gear, make the decision when you get there. Everything is a baby step. Everything is a baby step. And then before you know it, you'll be like me yesterday. I mapped out my day, sent Shane a photograph for going, yes, I'm in a really good headspace today. I've planned my day. And it's something that I find very hard to do because at work, I'm a project manager. I spend my life organizing other people's timelines and sticking to regimens and doing all of that. And in my personal life, I go, no, 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 no. Just going to live in chaos. Everything's just going to fall apart. It'll be fine. La, 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 la. Fingers in ears. Um, and then this isn't a story that I'm telling you that has come to its end or conclusion. I'm still in the thick of it. There are still going to be days this week where I'm going, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then you need to have that voice going, what do you need today? What do you need from today? I need to make sure that I eat mindfully instead of sitting and snacking. I need to make sure that I'm prepared for the fact that next week is my week off. So I might need extra calories. I need to make sure that I can stand up at the end of today and feel content, not happy, not overjoyed, not awesome, not amazing. Happiness isn't sustainable. No emotion that requires that much energy is sustainable. But to feel satisfied or content in the fact that you met your own needs in the day, that's huge. That's a huge victory. So not I'm not ready, but what are you ready for? And when you talk about the whole thing of like that your work life is organized and a lot of people can neglect their own stuff which you've spoken about have you got any advice for parents out there that are trying to guess i don't know lose maybe a couple of pounds or start their own fitness journey or whatever it may be doesn't matter how what point they're starting at because that never matters everyone has a starting point and everyone's starting point is completely different everyone's journey is completely different have you got any pointers to parents out there who are potentially struggling to prioritize themselves struggling to prioritize their own time and struggling to prioritize kind of wanting to work out or needing to work out i suppose my main advice is to um when you grab your runners and your jacket to go for a walk physically unpack your guilt and leave it behind you because with a lot of parents it's this is 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 45 minutes of my child's day that I could be spending with them or doing things for them and that guilt I found and again this is this is my personal reflection you bring that guilt with you on the walk and you shoulda coulda woulda every single ounce of that time that you were there you're taking these steps and you're trying to be mindful you're trying to feel yourself interacting with your own body you're trying to feel yourself in the beautiful surroundings that you may be in whether that's walking down 
the 16A bus route or with me, it's walking the hills in, in Clare. Um, leave your guilt behind you. It's not doing you any good. It's very heavy. It's hard to walk 5K when you're carrying that extra baggage. Um, the other thing is um, get your kids involved. And I know that's so cliche. I don't mean set up a circuit in the back garden and have everybody doing reps and, uh, you know, mini TRX training sessions for your child. I mean, explain to them what you're, they're doing, you're doing and why you're doing it. That it, in fact, you're doing it for them. Because if mom and dad or guardian, parent, aunt, uncle, whoever it is that is involved with these kids is physically and emotionally minding themselves and putting that work in, they're doing it because they want to be around for as long as possible. So let them know that. And the other thing is don't kick them out of the room. Because if you kick a child out of the room, they're going to keep coming back in. Um, Mummy, what's the seventh planet from the sun? And why is water this colour? And I like ice cream. And fat boy said this thing. Whereas if you say, okay, doors open now. I have a video on the TV and I'm going to do a YouTube 20 minutes of a Pilates session. I have my mat here. There's another mat on the floor if you want to try and join in. Giggling is allowed. Fun is allowed. Exercise is so much easier when you're smiling. And if you have a little person, and it doesn't matter if that little person is five or six, or in my case, 14, attempting to do, you know, a very complex downward facing jog, or, you know, they're stretching, you see them doing a half cobra in yoga, and they're going, oh, this is really nice. The satisfaction you get from sharing it. So my two top tips are don't kick them out or try not to involve them. And leave your guilt at the door. Just leave it alone. This is not guilt. This is self-care and it's self-love and it's you preserving your body and your mind so that you can be a better parent for them would you rather spend 45 minutes fighting with your teenager to pick socks up off the floor or would you rather go for a walk clear your head and say right let's go let's do this together or i'm going to stand here till you do it your perspective changes so you're also leading by example as well by they're like kids are so perceptive to what we do yeah so so like if to say if you're talking negatively about yourself or if you're bringing up the whole sins or the whole good or bad food things that's going to knock on to them mm. that's what they're going to pass on to their kids so i think i'm not a parent but from working with a lot of parents it is one of those things that things do need to be tweaked and i'll always remember one of my clients um she used to at the very beginning she used to get frustrated by not me calling her out but kind of just trying to slightly alter her language around food and towards the end it was almost a habit it was almost like right how am I going to phrase this to Shane or phrase this to myself and then would kind of type out the text I could almost see like the little monkey working in the head (laughs) trying to put put the little sentence together you mentioned the scales yeah the scales I think I I, I've lost uh, I've lost the like the amount of times I've spoken about the scales on the podcast or posts, but it seems to be one of those things that comes up on a, I'd say daily basis about an issue with the scales and it impacts the mood. Your attitude towards the scales is to get it out if it affects your mood. Yeah. And then there'll be the other side. People will be like, well, how do I know my progress? How do I know how I'm doing so I'm gonna let you take this over because I can put the PT hat on really quickly so I'm gonna let you let you uh talk about this I suppose the first thing that I would say about getting rid of the scales is so my scales are in a box in a press in my bathroom so they're there I know they're there which means that every now and then I can check in with them but it's a check-in that that scales doesn't ruin my life I don't go looking for it I mean, if I happen to be in that bathroom, I go, I wonder when the last time I weighed myself was. I go, I was fine. I haven't I haven't noticed anything terrible. And it may seem negligent at some point. But as I mentioned, that that non-scale victory, I'm down a size in bikinis. Hold on. Scratch that. I took photographs, progress pictures of me in a bikini and sent them to Shane. Poor Shane. Um, I, I would hate to see what your inbox looked like if your phone ever got stolen. I hope it's password protected <laughs> because 
but I sent him a message. I was standing there in a bikini for the first time. I don't know how long. And I said, I feel good. I feel strong. That's that's one way to not have to look at your scales. I felt strong enough mentally and physically to take a picture of me in a couple of bits of material and some string. Uh, that is a huge way to not rely on your scales. How do you feel inside yourself? Are you happy? Are you comfortable? Do you feel like your waistband is digging into you a little bit less? These are all your physical cues. Now, progress pictures, mention them. They're unreal. There are days where I'm going, what am I doing this for? And you're standing there and I'm going, oh, if I just went back to bed for six to 12 hours and then got a pizza, wouldn't that be easier? And then I whip out my phone and I go, that was six weeks of progress. And I was down nine inches on my body. I don't even know. I can't tell you how much kgs or how many stones and pounds or whatever i have an notion shame i i don't even know how much i've lost i know that i've lost i'm not going to mention it yeah but i know i've lost 16 inches that's what i know i know that my belly fat ratio has gone down which means that i'm less at risk for heart attack that that is what you need to measure the other thing is when you went to sleep last night did you feel comfortable and satisfied and ready to sleep when you got up this morning, did you have energy to continue your day? That's a sign that you're eating properly. That's a sign that you're hitting your exercise food balance. That's a sign that you're minding yourself. That has nothing to do with the scales. And um, when you go for your first few gym sessions and you're still doing that look around and over your shoulder and she has this bum and oh my God, look at his pecs and oh my God and you know, whatever. That slowly goes away too. Because when you're hitting your own graft and your pace, I think you hit a state of flow, like almost like a creative flow. So I write and I paint and I hit a flow. And honestly, you could like come up behind me and, you know, grab my shoulders. And I barely react because I'm so much in that state. And a huge marker of progress for me is when I don't even notice there's somebody at the treadmill next to me. Although now they're at the treadmill next to the one next to me because we have to be very good in social distance and mind our gym rules. But... It's a huge marker, your comfort, your sleep, your clothes fit, your attitude towards your own body. And now I'll tell you, I'm sitting on this call with you and my video screen is up and I'm not deliberately avoiding my own video reflection. Because I'm like, yeah, she's fine. She's good. She's minding herself. She's done what she needed to do today. And it's not what she ought to do or she told her to do or whatever it's. I've taken the lessons that Shane has given me. I've applied them to my life because nobody is the same as anybody else. And I know that if I mind me, then me will mind me back. And that will translate into whenever you decide to step on the scales. A one pound victory, but that one pound victory could be four or five inches off your body. And never forget that, yeah, you could have lost six pounds worth of fat. And I hate that word, but that's the medical term. It is. It's fat. It's horrible tissue and membrane that builds up outside your body organs, your muscles, your liver, your stomach, your heart, all of those things. You've shrunk that down and made yourself healthier. Just because it's one pound doesn't mean it's not the hugest victory. You could have reduced your risk of heart disease by 20% with that one pound and that three weeks hard work. And that's why my scale sits in a box, in a press, in my bathroom. Yeah, like I think with the scales, I was talking to one of the clients yesterday for the check-in and I was kind of like, she went up because of the week off. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, it's gone up, I don't know, say two pounds maybe, but she's overall, she's probably down like four or five kilos. But she was latched on to the progress between week three and week four and all this kind of stuff. You always have to look at where you first started from. And I'm delighted you brought up the progress pictures because that is a big thing that I try to promote with you guys. But I don't enforce it. Mm -hmm. I try to get you guys to do it as much as you can for every two weeks. But it's not one of those things that like. It, it, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to force anyone to do something that they don't want to do. You have to be able to do it at your time. You have to be able to be comfortable enough in your own skin. And the first photos, don't get me wrong, when I've got coaches and I've had coaches and stuff like that, and the first photos, they are not fun to do. It doesn't matter what what your starting point is. It doesn't matter, like, if even if you look at, say, the bodybuilders and stuff like that, they're always striving for more. 
they're always looking to beat the next person. And if you go into the gym, there's always going to be someone that is going to be like for lads anyway, there's always going to be someone that's bigger than you. Um, but it's about kind of running your own race. It's about running your own journey and being comfortable in that. And I think comfortable is probably the the kind of the, the tone for this episode uh, without even realizing it. But what about kind of like the whole thing of I'll be happy when syndrome that kind of can come in? Because I think we've all been there. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's professional life, love life, um, personal life or weight loss journey. What, what is, if you have struggled with it, what has got you kind of moved you away from that? So the, the happiness thing, and I said it earlier, happiness is not sustainable. It takes too much energy. You couldn't sit on a roller coaster and live through exhilaration for 24 hours. You'd pass out, you'd die, you'd be unconscious. So I'll be happy when. It's great. And, you know, it's good to have a goal. But that goal won't necessarily make you happy. Isn't it much simpler and, in fact, much more practical to have a little bit of happiness today that you're reserving for when? Like grab that, you know, 25% of that I'll be happy when and apply it for today and say, Today's a day that the sun is shining or today is a day that I have made a huge effort in the food that I'm going to eat. I sat down and made it from scratch. I enjoyed it. I watched TV. I listened to a podcast and now I'm going to sit and enjoy my meal and eat that mindfully. That's happiness. People equate the I'll be happy when with a type of happiness they've never experienced before. But if you haven't experienced it before, what's the likelihood at this stage of your life that it exists because I'm going to say it probably doesn't. And anybody who's ever hit the I'll be happy when goal, please contact me through Shane. I'd love to hear how you did it. I really would. Because self-actualization, any of these goals, this I'll be happy when, the whole idea behind it is there will always be something that you find can drive you more. So for me, it's I'm reading a book. And I'm like, I can't wait to finish this book. And I finish the book and I'm devastated because the book is over. No matter how happy I am that I really got something from that book, I'm like, I can never read that for the first time again. So I self-actualized by finishing the book. But then I now have a new self-actualization goal because I'm like, maybe you wrote another book and I'll enjoy that just as much. So the whole idea behind I'll be happy when is just a self-perpetuating metric of misery. It doesn't exist because if it did, you would have felt it by now. Yeah, I think you mentioned energy there about kind of like if you're trying to future predict or trying to live in the future all the time, it can be tiring. It's very, very tiring trying to almost strive for that kind of perfection or perfect body. And I think so many people do strive for that, but Nobody knows what perfection means. Yeah. Nobody know, like your perfect is completely different to my perfect. Absolutely. It's so counterintuitive. It's so like, yeah, it's 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 I don't know why this whole perfection thing is 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 kind of coming up more and more these days. Mm. I don't know, like there's like social media gets blamed for an awful lot of things. But there are pros. There's can't you can't have a positive without a negative. Yeah. So there's definitely positive social media like as a mother that has three kids grown up in this kind of time like what would your message to be to kind of that younger generation about kind of that whole like trying to get fit trying to improve yourself trying to look after yourself and not to kind of like self-medicate yourself with the likes of porn the likes of internet tiktok whatever it may be so the first thing I'll say is the very first social media your children interact with is you. You are the very first influencer they will ever meet. And if you wouldn't put it up on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, maybe don't say it to your kids or say it in front of your kids. Like I've never stood on the weighing scale in front of my child because I don't want her to think mommy's, there's, there's a, a meme or a cartoon and then it's two kids and one of them stands on the weighing scales. And uh, the comment is, well, you're not crying. When mommy stands on that, she always cries. And that's the first influencer that our children ever have. I mean, I watched my mother fight battles with weight for years. And it wasn't until she changed her mindset 
about who she was, that she began to achieve her own goals, not the I'll be happy when. She's, it was more of a people will love me when, or, you know, I will be accepted when, or, and again, I'm projecting, I don't know her own mental frame of mind, but I perceived it at five, six, seven, eight as I shouldn't do this, this, and this because they make people unhappy. So I shouldn't eat chocolate or crisps because that makes people fat and fat makes you unhappy. You know, we teach that from a really young age between TV, between radio, media, advertising. I mean, Social media is just the newest in a long line of crap that we use to influence each other. I mean, marketing is exactly that. It is selling something that somebody doesn't know they're going to want until you tell them that it will make them a better person. You know, it's like, take this magic slimline pill. We won't tell you that it will turn everything into this yellow boiling hot liquid that will be secreted from your person very inconvenient moments, we'll just tell you it'll make you a better person. So don't expose your children to the negativity that maybe you were exposed to that you developed these habits from. Recognize the habits that you have that are maybe a result of how you grew up or where you grew up or what your, your influence was. It could be a group of people in school, you could have been part of a sports team and everything was had to be a certain regimented way. If you felt that was negative or impacting in a damaging way to you, don't do it to your kids. Teach them about good days and bad days. Teach them about needs versus wants. Teach them about constant improvement. And just for something to be achieved is an achievement. It doesn't have to be the 100% goal. And I'm not saying give everybody a medal because they ran the race. But shake everybody's hand because they got up and tried. You know, there's a big difference between how we were taught to think as young women and how we have the chance to teach young women how to think about themselves and about each other. Um, and I think we should all sit down and have a big think about it. Um, how, we, how we use our own interactions with our children and young women and young men um, and maybe stop focusing on the, oh, my ass looks big on the, in this and say, you know what? I feel really strong today. My skin is really clear today. I drank eight glasses of water yesterday and the day before. And now I feel like I'm fresh and revitalized. Not I have to drink eight glasses of water or I'm going to fall over. You know, it's about how we phrase that information. And when you teach them those foundations, and when you teach yourself, actually, those foundations, Instagram isn't as damaging. Facebook isn't as damaging. YouTube isn't as damaging. Yes, it can be. But at least you have the tools to look at something and say fictional and real and learn not to blur the lines between the two of those. That's really interesting. The fact you mentioned the, the good v bad day thing as well, because I think for the vast majority of us, or I'd say every single person, uh, has bad days. And I think when we can have those bad days, it can be one of those days that we're just like, no, I don't want to do anything. And I think the 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 kind of the bro mentality or the bodybuilding mentality would be you just have to show up and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes it is about showing up when you don't want to because it's like that motivation bus. It's not going to be, it's like that friend that pops around every time now and again, it's not going to be there all the time. And I think the good v bad days and how to kind of get through those is very different for every single person. Uh, I know myself, I know I will feel better if I went out for a walk. I'll start off like Bev, who's been on the podcast, just explain her to talk about her journey. Her simple tactic, as you've spoken about, is one foot in front of the other, trying to get do that every single day. Yeah. And then once you focus on the first step, the second step becomes a lot easier. You get a little bit of momentum, but don't get me wrong. There are going to be crap days. Yeah. There are going to be days where you don't want to do anything. There's going to be days that you don't want to show up. And it's, it is literally about trying to, if you are in any way competitive, um, it is literally about trying to win that day. And I don't know, for me, it could be the walk. It could be either sending a text to you guys. It could be something else. 
But I think for other people, it could be as simple as trying to get some sleep. And you mentioned sleep earlier. Like I'm, I don't know. I don't know how you guys put up with me sometimes the amount of times I talk about sleep. But it like, I know when, when you're off point, your sleep hasn't been amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there have been days where I've had three to four hours sleep and that's a win. Those three to four hours are a win. Yeah, and I think, I think especially with kind of like the social media and stuff like that, you and you, I love that line that you are the influencer to your kids. You're the very first influencer that comes that comes into their lives. You're the very first influencer that that they can kind of benchmark off. And if you're being negative towards yourself, they're going to pick up on those cues. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it's not going to be a perfect line. Nothing is. I think it's important to, to realize that. Um, or is there anything else that you want to kind of talk about? um about your journey or is there anything else that you feel that you've learned that may be the the listeners want to talk here i suppose in relation to what's going on now we're still in lockdown you guys up in dublin are more so in lockdown than some of us around the country but um i started my fitness journey with you at the very start of lockdown having just returned to work after nearly five months of mental health leave of medical leave full-on proper diagnosis the whole nine and I had spent that time building up doing my groundwork and I I was so excited to start with Shane I was so excited to go back to my office and COVID hit I got about four days in the office in the past 12 months and I am a social animal and that was a blow to my sense of self um and to me when my sense of self is not good I sleep when my self, sense of self is exploding, then I don't sleep. So either way, I impact myself. Um, and through lockdown, through the whole COVID-19 debacle, mine, like everybody else's anxiety, is through the roof because we don't know where we're going. But we don't need to know right now where we're going to go in three months. I know that... Tomorrow, I have calls from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I get to cook dinner with my daughter and then I'm going to go for a walk. And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to do some laundry. If you're looking for safety and you're looking for comfort in some sort of knowledge or routine, it's down to you to make that. And those days that you have those bad days and you don't want to, ask yourself why. Is it an external influence? Is it this huge crazy thing that's going on right now where is there a genuine reason and have that conversation with yourself I don't want to doesn't work I need to for myself that's that's what got me through my first in particular my first six weeks with you Shane and I, I never thought that I could be the person that I am now and like I said I'm, I'm still only a part of the way on the journey this journey is not going to end until they say goodbye to me and they put me in the ground Every day is a learning. Every day has triggers and scary things and I don't want us. And if I can not motivate, but if I can encourage myself to make changes like I have made during this tumultuous time, then I hope that helps somebody else to do something similar. I think I will always remember our very first phone call. Um, so if anyone anyone looks to apply for coaching, they fill in a form and it's it makes you think the form about your eating habits, your dieting history, all that kind of stuff. But Orla's standout message on that was, I know this isn't going to be long term or I know this isn't going to be short term. This is going to be long term. This isn't about a quick win. This isn't about that. It was always going to be, I need to, I'm going to use the phrase that you love me to hear control the controllables <laughs> you you need to be able to say to yourself right try to try to win this day this hour this week this month and then see how you progress over time like it's 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 been incredible to see the lady that i'm talking to now from the lady that i spoke to six months ago like, yeah like i don't even know what month it is i'm not gonna lie no, but nobody does it, 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 it's amazing to see and you can see the the happiness in the eyes 
and that's generally where most people's happiness you can tell by someone if they're alive or they're tired or are, are like the kind of the, the the endorphins are there you're 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 like you were talking last week about kind of the walks and stuff like that that seems to be giving you a new um lease of life and stuff like that you seem to have struck a balance like you know you're you're busy with work tomorrow but as you said you've created stuff that you want to do around that and i think too many people are trying to be busy fools too many people are working to schedules about others like you the 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 one message I'm going to take away from it as well is you've simply messaged your boss saying, I'm going to be offline for an hour. Yeah. So many people are afraid of reaching out to their boss or whoever it may be saying, hang on. I, cause I know with some of the bigger corporations, you essentially have to move a mouse to make it look like you're online. I've heard tell. Thankfully I don't have that. Yeah. So that's that's big brother watching again Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen like the social dilemma that's big brother watching but that is another element of big brother watching like we can't just give into this whole corporate like you have to look after yourself and if you're not looking after yourself you're no good to anyone else yeah and i think i've learned that the hard way orla has potentially learned that the hard way i think too many people are learning it the hard way and some people are, are are going down rabbit holes that i don't really want them to go down um and i don't think they want to go down but they're afraid to maybe take a step back and analyze it a little bit more um orla i cannot thank you enough for coming on being so honest the points the notes you can definitely tell you've worked in radio uh, <laughs> there's there's definitely uh the, the the radio uh presenter in you um from what you've mentioned and how eloquent you've spoken about it today so like from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being so honest as always um, and for for your journey. I'm I'm super excited to see where we go um, and where you go in all aspects of your life. So thank you so much. My pleasure, Shane. And you know what? If it wasn't for my darling friend shouting out to me and, and calling me out, I, I may have missed out on the opportunity to know you and I'm delighted that I do. So thanks for having me on. That's amazing. I think that's Bev. Yeah, it is uh, our Bevan. <laughs> that is our Bev. Uh, guys, if you've enjoyed the episode at all, please do tag Orla and I up on your story. And don't forget to leave a, a review up on iTunes. Uh, guys, Orla, thank you so much for, for doing that. Thanks, William Shane.